The text for this morning's message is taken from the Gospel of Mark. I'll be reading from Mark 4, verses 1 through 20. Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it had not much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil, and brought forth grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those who were about him with the twelve asked him concerning the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn again and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word which is sown in them. And these in like manner are the ones sown upon rocky ground, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the delight in riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that are sown upon the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. The word this morning is brief, but it is very, very important. On the last Sunday of Advent, the Sunday before Christmas, I would like to preach from 1 John chapter 3 under the title, The Son of God Came into the World to Destroy the Works of the Devil. And in the three preceding Advent Sundays, beginning today, I want to talk about three works of the devil. And the first one that I want to expose is the devil's habit and goal of taking away the word. And if you were listening carefully, you noticed in verse 14 that the sower sows the word. And in verse 15, these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word which is sown in them. That's his first strategy in this battle of the soils. It's the only one we're going to talk about. 
And I want to mention three ways that Satan begins to implement on a Sunday morning and a Saturday night his strategy of taking the word out of your heart before it can even land. Number one way. He works immediately before you give any sympathetic hearing at all sometimes to make you unable to hear. How does he do it? Three things. Inattention, ill will, and ignorance. So those will be the three that we'll look at. And then we'll look at how to respond to these. Satan works overtime in a service like this to make people inattentive. He begins it Saturday night by keeping you up later than you should be. And when you get here on Sunday, you are so dog-tired, you can barely stay awake in the worship service or in Sunday school, and you wonder what's wrong. And I'll tell you what's wrong. You fell for Satan's temptation. He puts it like this. He doesn't word it, but he makes you feel it. This TV show you're watching or this book you're reading, or this project you're working on in the garage, is more important than getting enough sleep to be alert for worship. Well, he doesn't word it like that, because then he would tip his hand and you would go to bed. But uh, he makes you feel a superior value on whatever it is that keeps you up so late, Saturday night. So that you're too tired to concentrate on Sunday morning. Or he puts in your way, my way, dozens of distractions in a service like this. Babies, doors opening and closing, perfume, hairdos. Or he brings to your mind tomorrow's agenda. The meeting with the supervisor. We're always slipping into planning in the midst of prayer, worship, love. We are so tempted to plan our tomorrows that we scarcely experience today to the full. And that's especially true in worship and in in prayer. If he can only distract you, So that the sounds coming out of my mouth or out of your own mouth when we sing hymns go in one ear and out the other. He will have conquered. He will have sufficed. The word will have been plucked up by the bird before it even gets into the ground of your heart. So the first battle is fought uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning with inattention. Second, he uses ill will. To keep the word from landing. There can be resentment, anger, aversion against the preacher or the staff or the choir director. And if you have an aversion to the preacher, 99 and 44, 100% sure you won't hear the word of God coming out of his mouth. 
And so Satan uses grudges and aversions to shut the ears of the hearers. Or it might simply be aversion to language. Why does he say it that way and not the traditional way? Or it might be, worst of all, aversion to the gospel. Satan's closest friends hate the gospel. He has enabled them and caused them to have such a high estimation of themselves that when the gospel message of humbling and brokenness before the cross comes out of somebody's mouth, it is revolting and threatening. And so... Whatever you are averse to, whether it's my personality or the staff or the flowers or the music or the gospel or the language, aversion, anger, animosity is the work of Satan to keep the word from landing in good soil. And he plucks it up and it's gone. And the third way he works is through ignorance. The servants of the evil one who are far along in their devil training are so deceived that they can't even construe the sentences of the gospel to have meaning. They sit and hear the word of God proclaimed and they look around at people being moved or listening intently, sometimes moved to tears, and they are dumbfounded. What is going on here? Because what's going in their ears is not registering with anything of value or meaning. It is all blank, confusion, nonsense. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 3, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the likeness of God. When the glory of God is described in the gospel through words, it doesn't register. Blind. They don't construe it to have meaning. So the question now comes, well, what can we do? And the Bible, you know, says in James 4, verse 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Or 1 Peter 5, 8, your adversary, the devil, prowls around these aisles and pews like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour and whose seeds he may pluck up. Resist him firm in your faith. So that's the agenda on Sunday morning and Saturday night. Devil resistance, counter attacks. And that's what I want to close with. I'll mention three ways to counter attack. First, prepare the soil of your heart. Notice in verse 20, the key to fruitful hearing, hearing that results in crops springing up 
thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold, so people can gather around you and feast off the grace that is flowing through you. That's what everybody wants. Everybody wants to be a purposeful, useful, significant person from whom others draw life. Satan doesn't want that. It'll happen if the word takes root. It'll happen if your soil is good. Therefore, step number one to counteract Satan is prepare the soil. And what I mean by that is your Saturday nights are crucial. I've said it many times before. I will say it dozens of times again in the next decade. Prepare yourself for worship on Saturday night. Set aside some time for prayer and meditation and ask God to get you ready for this hour. Don't fall prey to Satan's temptation that what you are doing at 10 o'clock is more important to do for another hour than to get ready for worship. Don't play into his hand on Sunday morning either with the newspaper. Don't let the big, fat, heavy, multicolored Sunday Tribune set your agenda for meditation before worship. Now, I didn't say don't read it. Be careful here. Don't let it set your agenda for meditation. That is, don't just fall into the habit like every other morning of getting up and reading the paper. Instead, if you must read the paper on Sunday morning, I can think of better things to read to get ready for worship. But if you must read the paper, pray the paper. Have you ever prayed the newspaper? You ought to pray the newspaper daily. When you read an article about a crisis, about a crime, about corruption, about a good event, thank, petition, Plead God's intervention in this country and in this world as you read the paper. Then you can regard worship as the great climax to your morning's worship in the newspaper. But don't just drift through Saturday night and Sunday morning. Be conscientious in the preparing of the soil of your heart. Second, when you come, listen with all your might to the word of God. Now, the word of God is in the hymns. And with a staff like this, the word of God is in the prayers. If you listen carefully, the word of God is often in the organ. The word of God is in the anthems. The word of God is this worship service. Therefore, your task on the second counteroffensive is listen with all your might. Focus in. If you come, we are sinners. It is hard for us to listen to the word of God. Add to that that Satan loves to pluck up the word of God as soon as it starts to land on the soil of your heart. And we have an agenda set for us that is immensely hard. Immensely. So if you come in here with no resolve to focus, to listen, to discipline, to concentrate your mind. It'll be lost. In one ear, out the other. 
Focus on the content of the worship folder when you come. Focus on the words of the call to worship. Focus on the words of the prayers. Why is Tom praying like that? What does he say? How does that last thing he prayed relate to what he said at the beginning? Focus on God during the moments of silence. We do not have an organ praise and a moment for meditation for you to shift into neutral and start planning dinner. It is there because you've been shot through with so much word. You must now pause, process, pray and do your business with God. If you shift into neutral at the few moments we give you of silence, you've wasted the whole thing. We must become a people who are rigorous and disciplined and full of effort in our listening. Because it doesn't come naturally to any human being to listen to the word of God. Or concentrate on him. Jesus said in this parable. He who has ears to hear. Let him hear. Now you know what that means? That means that we must labor not to be among those. Who hearing do not hear. And seeing do not see. That's a terrifying position to be in. Labor not to be in it. And then finally. When you hear. Welcome the word of God. Notice verse 20. But those who were sown upon the good soil are the ones who hear the word of God and accept, welcome it. And bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. All the listening, all the discipline, all the hearing in the world profits nothing if once heard, the word is not welcomed. Received, acquiesced to. So my final plea is a certain attitude. An attitude of openness, receptivity, softness, sensitivity to the word of God. I don't mean my word because they aren't always identical. Jesus didn't want mindless acquiescence to what he said. I don't want mindless acquiescence. If what I say, if a hymn, if an anthem, if a prayer is the word of God, as you see it in Scripture, then I'm appealing for a spirit of real docility, sensitivity, moldableness, not hardness and resistance and see if you can change me, see if you can teach me. Get get all that out and become that fleshy heart, not that stony heart. So that when the word of God sinks in, it just is enveloped in life. Let me use the analogy to close that we have right here in the text. Be like rich, black Minnesota farmland with deep furrows and all the rocks taken away and all the thorns plucked out and all moist and gushy from the Holy Spirit. And ready for the seed. And then covered over and nurtured with prayer and meditation. If we are that kind of people in worship before the word of God, not only will you in your private life bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold, but this church will begin to bear fruit in multiplied ministries. Growing right out of the lay congregation. Multiplied ministries 30 fold, 60 fold. And a hundredfold. 
So I appeal to you, remember the promise that we'll get to on Christmas. The Son of God came into the world to destroy the works of the devil. You can have victory in the area of listening. You can stop the birds before they get the seed. And I pray that we'll do it all through Advent. Shall we stand and close in prayer? Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we want to repent together as a congregation and confess that we are vulnerable to inattention, to ill will, to ignorance, and we have fallen so often. This morning we've fallen. Forgive us, cleanse us, I pray. And Lord, we renounce the evil one together as a congregation. We cover ourselves with the blood of Jesus Christ. We build around ourselves a wall of the word and we resist him firm in our faith. Guard us from him, I pray, in worship and all through this day and all through the Advent season. And then, Lord, finally, we rededicate ourselves afresh to the high calling of listening to the word of God. Open our hearts, plow deep the soil, moisten us with your Holy Spirit, plow out the rocks, take away the thorns, make us a fruitful people, I pray. And now to you, Lord Jesus, who is and who has the word of life, be glory and honor forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen.